Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Peter, your host. Today's topic, hierarchies and pecking orders, waking up and trusting power. Our guest, internationally known author Kingsley Dennis, whose latest book is The Dawning of the Akashic Age, co-authored with Nobel Prize nominee Irvin Laszlo. Most of us live in hierarchies that we've created or that we've inherited from our own. Aren't we always comparing ourselves to others trying to evaluate our place in the pecking order? What was the hierarchy in your family? How did that impact you? Don't you still have pecking orders among friends, at work, in your current families and world? How can we free ourselves from this? Stay tuned and let's find out. And now, let's hear from our host, Beth Green, from the Inside Out. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here today with James, with Voice America, with you, and with uh, our delightful guest, Kingsley Dennis. So I think I'd like to start out by talking a little bit about why the topic of hierarchies is so important to me. I think that we're all in hierarchies all the time, if only in our minds, and we don't even realize it. I mean, aren't we always comparing ourselves to other people? I remember in school, you know, there's the teacher, and I made the teacher very important, and the teacher was more important than the kid, so I wanted to be the teacher's pet. And the way to be the teacher's pet was to have all the answers. But, of course, that turned me against the other kids and the other kids against me. But I didn't care about them because they weren't as high in the pecking order as the teacher. Well, that's partly because I didn't have any friends. So <laughs> some people is the opposite. They make their friends more important than the teacher. And in our home, it was like, who was going to have more power? It was my mother. She seemed to have all the power in the house. And so how was I going to ingratiate myself with my mother? And uh, I knew how to do that. It was to be smart. So you see, I had it. the teacher, my mom. I knew the way to go was to be smart. So I spent the rest of my life evaluating how smart I was or wanting to be smarter than other people. So in my head, there's already this hierarchy based on who's smarter than whom. And, uh, you know, it took me a long time before I realized that being smart wasn't the most important thing. <laughs> uh, but it's not just in our minds. I mean, we live in a, in a world where this one, the boss has the paycheck, the, you know, that you either get it or you don't. You may live in a family where one parent or the other has more power. Uh, we live in societies where, you know, if you have the gun, you have a little bit more to say about things. And uh, we have hierarchical views of religions, races, sexes, uh, gender identification, 
There are so many ways that we uh, set ourselves up in competition with each other. And it's really, really painful. And I, what I realized was, see, I think that when I was a kid, I wanted to move up the hierarchy so that I'd be on top too, even though not in my mind. I didn't believe in that on a spiritual and philosophical level. But that's what I was doing. I wanted to be in charge, make sure I wasn't dominated by others. And I think that's often what happens is we accept the reality of hierarchy and then we try to find our place or change our place in that hierarchy so that it's more advantageous to us. And it's so painful. If you're at the bottom of a hierarchy, you can feel so discounted but safe because you're not being held responsible. If you're at the top of the hierarchy, you may think you're hot shit, but on the other hand, everybody looks to you like you're responsible and you feel so alone that other people are hiding out in the middle and the whole thing doesn't work. So recently, you know, the Pope, even the Pope, I think, started to (laughs) uh, deal with hierarchy by going out in the street and meeting with people and asking people to shake things up. So that tells us that something massively important that's happening in our world. You know, we think we live in a democracy, but do we? Not if we still have hierarchies. The people who have more money or more beauty or political power are above others or whites above blacks or blacks above whites. So it's time for us to acknowledge the hierarchies we're in, see what they've cost us, how much pain this has caused, and just blow them up. By refusing to believe in them. That old story, the kid says the emperor has no clothes, right? That was the end of the hierarchy. He just refused to give in. And I think that's a great story. And I think all of us can do that. We can stop pretending that somebody is up there and who's going to rescue us, whether it's God, the Father, the President, or the NRA. And start realizing that we live in a world of co-creation. Our guest today, who is Kingsley Dennis, I know is out there rabble-rousing in his uh, works and his writing. And I know he's trying to also help dismantle the hierarchy. Now, before I introduce you and bring uh, Kingsley onto the line, I want to acknowledge something. Kingsley has this great British accent that I love. And I know a lot of Americans... Uh, feel the same way. Somebody speaks in a, in an educated British accent and they always sound more intelligent than somebody who's saying the same thing with a New York twang. And isn't that hierarchy? Did we get that from the colonial period, Kingsley? What's your take on that? So this guy is going to sound really, really smart no matter what he says. And here he is, Kingsley Dennis. <laughs> Thank you, Beth. How can I follow that? Um, <laughs> I'm I'm rabble rousing with my uh, hierarchical British accent. There you go. <laughs> so, Kingsley, where do you come from? Well, I was born in the UK. Um, now, when, when people ask me that question, I say I was born in the UK rather than say I'm English. Yes. Because one is a place of birth and one is a nationality, and they're very distinct. Okay, which is which? Could you explain well, that to us who are not that well educated? 
Well, I just use it as a personal preference because um, I've lived and worked in many, many countries. And so I, over the years, uh, we were all going through our own deconditioning. So rather than represent a nationality, I, I, I tell people where I was born. And I was born in, a, in the center of the UK. But I don't adhere to any specific nationality. Um, I hope not. And I, I try to um, be as deconditioned as possible. So... That's why I don't, I don't say I'm English, because that comes with too much baggage. I really like that, Kingsley. Um, so, I don't, so then I don't have to say an American. I remember in the, you know, 30 years ago or so in the 60s when I was traveling and there was this big anti-war movement. By the way, is that a dog in the background? Uh, that's my puppy outside barking. Hi, <laughs> he's outside barking? Wow. Yes, he's, he's on night watch. It, it's it's just, past, just past midnight here. Oh, before I say another word, I want to say how grateful we all are that Kingsley is staying awake for this show. And if you start hearing snoring, you'll know that it's him. Because here it is, it's after midnight, and he's willing to come on live on Inside Out. So this guy, this is a great guy, right? We should all applaud. Uh, anyway, back to... Uh, yeah, so we were, in that time, you know, being a, quote, American was uh, very um, negative. You know, it was the time of the ugly American, and I would travel, and I felt embarrassed. And it's so funny that here, let's say the guy next to me feels very proud of being from the U.S. and being an American because there's all this power and money behind him. And I'm feeling very embarrassed about being an American because of the war in Vietnam and our foreign policy and so on. And all of that is kind of nonsense, too. Whether you feel like you're better or worse, it's still hierarchy, isn't it? Well, it's, it's all hierarchies, Beth. Um, I mean, hierarchies go back for for um, and millennia, in fact. There have always been hierarchies, all the way back to the Egyptian mysteries and the priestly schools. In fact, you know, the, the, the priestly case in the mystery schools are all hierarchies. And, um, what, I mean, you had a wonderful introduction about hierarchy in our social institutions. Now, that's one aspect of hierarchy, the way that we've been conditioned in our social institutions to have a, or a certain obedience to authority, because that's all about social management, which mm-hmm. is based on hierarchy. Mm-hmm. But if we take a bigger picture and go back thousands of years, we realize that hierarchy is, in fact, an aspect of the uh, dominance of male consciousness. Ooh, I and, like the sound of that. I know I don't like the sound of that, but I like what you're saying. <laughs> now, there's a good side to it because it is changing. And the bigger picture actually is because we've been in, in, a, in at least 2,000 years of male, male consciousness. And so we have these, these, um, dogmatic priestly orders, which have always been based on hierarchy. You know, we have the, the orthodox orders based on hierarchy. And, and interestingly enough, the, the feminine consciousness is all about um, congregation and collaboration, which is very different from hierarchy. Now, to give, a, to give a, just a, a historical example of that, we've all known about the, the Inquisition against the witches, for example. Now, the, the Inquisition was, a, of course, the very male-dominated orthodoxy of the religious institutions. Uh, Kingsley, now, could, you share, could you share with our audience, some people may not know when the Inquisition happened. So uh, the, the people aren't as old as we are. So could you just give a little bit of background on that as you go, just before you go on? Well, let's go back to the um, 
the kind of uh, medieval time, let's say, and more or less European Dark Ages or 14 centuries. Uh, so if you're talking about the 14th century, mm-hmm. then we had this, this hierarchical church going against what they call were the witches. Now, the witches really, in historical reference, were just women who had some knowledge of, of herbalism or healing, and they got together. And what, what are they noted for? They're called witches' circles. Now, when women come together, they congregate in circles. We have women's circles today all across the world. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how we had the church hierarchy attacking the women's circles. Mm. Circle is, is the exact opposite of the hierarchy, the pyramid. Mm-hmm. So this kind of um, conflict between hierarchy and the, let's say, non-hierarchy or the collaboration circle had been going on for, for, for centuries. And we're coming to a time now where this hierarchy is becoming um, transparent as inefficient and breaking down. Mm-hmm. And we're having through global communication, such as this wonderful radio show and the way that people are communicating across the world in a, let's say, a collaborative a network manner, which I feel is very feminine. The whole internet mm-hmm. is feminine. It's mm-hmm. all about coming together and talking, which is very different from about the masculine consciousness, which is about keeping secrets from each other and keeping on top of each other. So we're seeing this shift now. So there's a smaller picture and a larger picture to this whole hierarchy theme there. I love what you're saying, Kingsley, and I have a, a question about this. When you talk about the masculine consciousness, do you believe that that is actually the consciousness of men versus a kind of consciousness that we associate with men? Do you think that that's natural to men? It's, in some way, it's more predisposed to, to men, is a masculine consciousness. But you see, men have both the masculine and feminine consciousness within them, and so do the women have masculine mm-hmm. and feminine consciousness within them. So it's not so much as the either-or, but however, the energy that our cultures have gone through have given the advantage to those who have, have manifested a masculine consciousness. And since it's been more dominant within the male species, they have the, they've had the advantage. And we've seen, especially in, in, in recent times, how there's been a pressure for women feeling that if they wish to compete with the men, they must show aspects of the masculine consciousness, right? therefore to be dominant in the workplace, etc. Which I feel is, is perhaps a misdirection, because women... To, to be themselves should really be in touch with their feminine consciousness because it's not about competition. The shift is now occurring more towards collaboration, which I feel will then favor those who manifest feminine aspects and feminine consciousness in their being. So though men also who have aspects of feminine consciousness which are more dominant may therefore be more predisposed in the shift of consciousness. Do you think that's uh, partly why there's so much homophobia against gay men, that they um, are willing to show their feminine consciousness, which is in the hierarchy lower than the male? Yeah, I feel that's part of it. It's, it's this kind of status quo top dog thing. And if they, if they see aspects of 
a consciousness or energy which they feel is a weakness in their paradigm or does not fit into the consensus, then it's, it's, it's attacked or, or tried to be sidelined. This is a competitive consciousness, which is the, the exaggeration of male consciousness. Now, male consciousness and feminine consciousness are both wonderful in their essence. Mm-hmm. What's happening is that when they go to the extreme, they become exaggerated. So male consciousness exaggerated is not helpful. The same thing as feminine consciousness exaggerated is not helpful. I See, couldn't so, agree with you yeah. more. Uh, one of the things that we've seen uh, as a counselor, but also as a teacher, uh, just as a woman, is that uh, you know this idea that women are supposed to always be soft and sweet and cooperative and not take a stand and not make a fight and all of that is as much of a shackle on us women as it is for men who are being forced to act more macho than they are or to pretend they know things they don't know or to be leaders when they aren't. So we're sort of stuck with that idea. And I personally, you know, I find that that can be very smothering because love without awareness, it it is smothering. Exactly. These aspects of the duality consciousness, which has been dominant, um, I think, at least over the last 2,000 years, we've been in this black and white, one or the other, Mm -hmm. without understanding that we need um, an integral consciousness and a unity consciousness, which which embraces both in harmony. Because if we don't have harmony, then we have dis-ease. And we have this unbalance, which then reflects in the world around us, as we can see today. So it's not about having one or the other. It's about embracing an integral balance of both. And yes. that's where we need to go. Exactly. What we call in the stream and in my work is integration, that any aspect of consciousness out of balance is a problem. And all aspects of consciousness in balance are what give us integrity. I'm really enjoying this conversation, and very shortly, we're going to be going into a uh, commercial break. But uh, I want to give you fair warning, Kingsley, that when we come back, uh, I'd like to ask you, what is it in your personal life, in your background, that has caused you to care about the things that you care about? And by the way, we want to invite people to call in, I believe on the break, uh, that number is announced, but James, do you have that number? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, if you'd like to call in with a question or a comment, you can call 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. So don't go away. Listen to our break and come back and listen to more of Kingsley Dennis on Inside Out. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, 
both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. So if you've just joined us, we are having a conversation with Kingsley Dennis, who is an internationally known author of many, many books, and a, a philosopher and historian and all kinds of other things, I don't know, sociologist, who's bringing in a big perspective for us about the topic of hierarchies. So welcome to Inside Out if you're just joining us, and thank you, Kingsley, for being with us today. So I threatened that I was going to ask you a question, uh, which is, why do you care about hierarchy? Why do you care about women? And because, it, because what Kingsley was talking about is not just that there is hierarchy, but that he was uh, looking at it from a historical perspective in terms of the domination of male consciousness and uh, the, the need for uh, the integration of the male and the female consciousness, with the female being more in terms of cooperation and so on. What do you think drives you to care about, these, the, about this? Oh, big question, Beth. Um, what drives me to care? Um, I'm following myself. I'm following um, my own self-development and evolution, and, and I've come over the many years of my own, my own development to realize that we only evolve as part of an evolving planetary species. And so, therefore, we, we, are, we are all a part of the whole, um, the whole pattern and, and the whole energy and the whole, the whole humanity. So, um, and what's taken my interest is, for me, everything comes back to consciousness. Mm-hmm. Everything is consciousness. And the world that we are part of is a manifesta- man- manifestation of that consciousness. And I've, I've tried to feel into that over the years to see how I can um, manifest it myself. And I felt that there's been a shift, and I've, I've tried to witness it in the external structures, because my background is as a trained sociologist. I was lecturer in sociology for, for many years in the UK at Lancaster University. And I, I've been seeing these, these social systems change, and what I feel is that we're going from a, a vertical top-down system, which is very hierarchical, mm-hmm. where, whereby we have these authoritative structures, institutions, moving to what I call a horizontal structure, mm-hmm. which is a distributed, networked, connectivity, uh, collaborative structure. 
as based upon our global communications and the way people network through communities. So that shift into relational structure from vertical structure, for me, is, is a manifestation of female qualities. Because female quality has, all, has always been about relationships and, and being connected to people and working through those connections rather than working one-on-one on, you know, the, the male structure is working on who's above you. Mm-hmm. Getting information from who's above you on the need-to-know basis, on secrecy, you know? That's like, psst, don't tell the other person because knowledge is power, mate. That's very male. Yeah. But what's happening now is that we're seeing these, these structures dissolve, albeit very slowly or, or with, or with um, disruptive pains. But we're seeing transparency coming through because information is being shared through these networks. Now, information sharing and whether through WikiLeaks or through, you know, these, these type of community commons, that's a very feminine consciousness in sharing and collaborative. And that, that takes my interest and I care because if we wish to move into a, a planetary future for the human species, that's the only way to go. We'll only survive as a planetary species collaborating together. Well, I agree with that, and a couple of thoughts come to mind about how that's played out historically, which I'm going to mention in a minute, but then I want to get back to my initial question. It's like we look at, okay, you mentioned Egypt, and you had the pyramids, and you had the pharaoh, and then you had all the people underneath him, and we've been moving over the the thousands of years towards more and more towards democracy in some way. Uh, and, And if we look at the church structure that... Um, you know, we started out where only the priests could have access to God, and now everybody is channeling, you know, higher consciousness and so on. So we do see this process that you're talking about historically. But I'm talking about personally. For example, um, did you f- have in your child, I don't know what your, your childhood was, was like, but, it, you know, in my childhood, my parents were kind of like pretty low on the hierarchy, <laughs> you know, in the world, and, um, uh, you know, I experienced that, and I felt the pain of black people, uh, how they were being treated, and uh, people on welfare, and I've had a lot of personal experiences, and also being a woman, and the abuse of women, and the the beating of children, and I mean, we see how, in a personal level, this hierarchy has has worked out, And, and in fact, you know, I I was for four years the the West Coast coordinator for something called the the Wages for Housework campaign, and we were trying to shift the way the world saw housework and housewives, which was pretty much at the bottom of the hierarchy because it was unpaid, and yet at the same time that the man in the family had the advantage because he had the paycheck and the woman didn't, at the same time he had all this pressure to make all the money which made him really angry, which made him want to beat his children and his wife. So, you know, it's not fun being in any place in the hierarchy. It really is just so destructive to the human soul. And I wonder if there's something in your life personally that made you flinch, you know, that caused you pain that has maybe shown up intellectually but has an emotional root. Well, with, I, I feel I've experienced and seen, like you say, 
all parts of it. In the sense that I grew up in a very integrated family where my parents were very balanced. There was no hierarchy in the family, so to speak. They were very equal in, in their in their roles, and that, there was no hierarchy seen in the family. Mm-hmm. And, and I grew up in, in a in a less in a British city called Leicester, which has one of the highest populations of Asians in, in England, and in fact is almost 50% Asians. So I grew up with best friends who are Asians. I went to a very integrated school. So I, I grew up, you know, I grew up at a very young age, in, you know, in, going to Indian restaurants when I was about 12 and being, being with uh, many multicultural friends. Of course, well, later in life, I yeah. saw the difference. And then I spent five years working and living in Turkey, which mm. I saw then how the male hierarchy is very strong there, especially in these, um, even though it's a soft Middle Eastern country, it still has a very strong hierarchy in terms of the male and the family. So I experienced that, and you know, I've, I've worked in other countries, I've traveled in the Middle East quite extensively, and also trained as a socialist intellectually. So it's not just intellectually, I've had a very wide-ranging emotional uh, lived experience of life. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that. Um, so I wouldn't say painfully, but I, I've observed it. So would you say that, uh, if I'm understanding you, that the contrast between the way you grew up and what you saw in the world maybe made this more acutely uh, accessible for you in your awareness? Because people who grow up with a certain way of being often don't even notice that there's anything to be looked at about it because it all just feels so normal to them. That, I mean, that's, that's a fair assessment observation to make, Beth. Um, in my part, though, I would say that I've been an observant person uh, since childhood, and mm-hmm. it's almost as if I feel like I came to this planet as an observer. Mm. You know, if, if I had to be say say something, and I've been observing life um, and people around me and and cultural patterns and thought patterns and consciousness patterns for so long that it felt almost natural that I would I would end up as a sociologist. Mm-hmm. And then I came to a point where um, I no longer could explain what I saw in the world through the constricted. Um, uh, channels of academia, so I left that to become a freelance writer, so I could explain more about what I saw. So I've seen this. I see this in the world, but I also see it as a pattern. And as all patterns, they are cyclic, mm-hmm. and therefore they go through um, they go through their cyclic pattern or design. And I feel that what's happening now is that this predominant era of duality with a dominance on the masculine hierarchical male aspects and consciousness, is now shifting into a feminine aspect, which is why we're having the disturbance, because the male dominant does not want to let go easily. So this time of turbulence and disturbance is actually part of the transition to a more a more collaborative, uh, distributed, empathic era. And that's that, I think that's a crucial word, is empathy and empathic consciousness. Well, I'd like to follow up with another question based on what you were saying. You were talking about being an observer. Do you still think of yourself as an observer or is there some part of you that either is or wants to be a revolutionary in the sense that we're talking about? It's not just observing but getting in there and shaking things up. Do you see that as part of your job and how do you do that? 
Well, that's a very good question, Beth, and it's a good question to to actually take this 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 these ideas. Now, I would say, not, I'm not a revolutionary; I'm a participant, and oh. I think that's a crucial difference. Uh oh, we just we're just losing you. We know you know uh, Kingsley is skyping all the way from Spain, so we're grateful that he sounds as clear as he he does. But we just lost the last things oh. you said. Okay, am I coming through clear now, Beth? Excellent. Thank you so what? much. Wonderful. I wanted to say that the crucial difference is that I would call myself a participant, which mm. is different from a revolutionary, mm. because I I take to heart the wonderful um, ref, uh, phrase from Buckminster Fuller, and I paraphrase him, who says that um, you never change the existing system by fighting it. To create a new system, you create alternative models to make the existing system obsolete. Mm-hmm. So what, what that means to me is that we don't fight head on the incumbent systems mm-hmm. because that just gives them more, more license to strengthen themselves because they say, well, look at these people. They're protesting their revolution. <laughs> yeah. we, we need to be stronger. We need to clamp down on them. Therefore, we need a stronger government. Mm-hmm. In fact, what we should be doing is sidestepping it and creating our own models, our own ways of doing things. So that needs participants, not, not revolutionaries against the system. I, I like so much what you're saying, Kingsley, because... Um, you know what, what? What we're trying to do is, is is essentially the same thing. Is that when I say that we just the hierarchies disappear when we say the emperor has no clothes because we just go on, and rather than fighting, because when we fight something, we're actually acknowledging its legitimacy. Exactly. You know, we're putting it back on the hierarchy. It it needs to be fought rather than that we need to co-create something. And it's only our willingness to co-create that's going to make the difference. And I also love that you called it participant because that that also uh, breaks the antagonism and makes us throws us all in the muddle together. Have you been writing about this? By the way, because I'd love for you to be able to talk a little bit about some of your books. Well, I have. I, I started writing about this shift in uh, a book called New Revolution for a Small Planet. And I took the book, I took these ideas further in the latest book, which I think you mentioned, I co-wrote with Irvin Laszlo called Dawn of the Akashic Age. And that's where we really focus on the concept of moving into a collaborative era, era, which we call Akashic, because Akashic is the old Hindu Vedic word, meaning the, the kind of ether field, the fifth element, the field that connects all which these days we can, we can equate with the quantum field. So the Kashik is the field that connects everything. It's, it's the ultimate democracy because we're all embedded and entwined in the field of consciousness, all humanity. Mm-hmm. And so that is what connects us. So what, we can't escape from anything we, we feel, do, think, or say. And that's important to recognize. Because we're all in the same field and everything that we do impacts us. Exactly, and it, it resonates across the field. Mm-hmm. And so we, we must be mindful 
of that which we say, do, think and feel, because it will reverberate around the network or the field or the Akashic across the globe. And so, therefore, that's why the powers that be are trying to focus our consciousness onto the negative because it feeds the negative. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to be a revolutionary against that because it feeds the negative. Mm -hmm. We have to take our consciousness into a different focus, which is the positive, collaborative, feminine consciousness. What is your website? We do have it on our host site, uh, uh, along with, you know, the, uh, the the show description. But I'd like you to announce your website also to people who might be interested in following up and finding out more about you. Well, thank you, Beth. Uh, my website is my name, which is Kingsley Dennis. So it's www.kingsleydennis.com. Or if you just Google my name, there's not many Kingsley Dennis's out there. I'm sure you'll find it. (laughs) Well, we're not letting go of you yet, but I did want to give you an opportunity. And please feel free to call in and ask Kingsley a question because you may not have this opportunity again. I have some more questions for you, Kingsley. And um, I know it's not too long before our commercial break, but we can start this and then we'll pick it up again. I'd like you to share with us what you have seen uh, in the spiritual uh, world that has to do with hierarchy. So um, it's not that I'm looking for dirt on anybody. That's not what... (laughs) what I'm asking for. But, you know, there are so many people who are in the spiritual movement, and a lot of the people who listen to the Seventh Wave Radio are folks who are care about spirituality and are interested in the New Age movement or the New Thought movement and all of this. And, um, you know, nothing means anything if it's not in the nitty-gritty and the here and now and real. You know, I mean, we can say... Mm-hmm. We can all say, oh, I believe in the feminine principle, I believe in democracy, I believe in love, I believe in oneness, but, you know, how much do we actually practice that? So um, we're going to be taking, actually, I see the time, we're going to be taking a commercial break in just a couple minutes, well, a couple of seconds, and um, I'm giving you a moment for you to think about uh, answering this question, Kingsley, is like, what are you seeing in the spiritual movement, both that is continues to be hierarchical and that may also be um, exhibiting and manifesting the shift in consciousness that you believe is happening, that I believe is happening and that we're all hoping is happening. So we're going to be breaking now and come back and our folks, listeners, don't go away because there's more with Kingsley Dennis on Inside Out. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. 
But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hello there. Welcome back to Inside Out. Uh, thanks for joining James and me and our wonderful guest, uh, Kingsley Dennis. I have presented Kingsley with a big question about seeing uh, hierarchy and democracy, so on, to so to speak, in the spiritual movement. But before we get to that, we have a caller, Helen from California. Helen? Hi. I may be asking an unfair question to you, Kingsley, because you're a sociologist and not a psychologist, but I wanted to know, you mentioned that it, the male domination does not want to let go, and I wondered if you have any suggestions about how people can practice this alternative model that you suggested rather than fighting it head on, that we create alternative models that make current systems obsolete. And I wondered if you had any suggestions about how to practice that in family systems. Ah, that's a brilliant question. And I will hang (laughs) up and listen on the radio. (laughs) Love that. Kingsley, you're Mm -hmm. on the spot, dude. Well, thank you, Helen. It is a a wonderful question. And (laughs) you mentioned also the family, which is important. Um, Of course, I don't have the solution to everything, so I'll give you my, my understanding, which I hope you will accept. Gracefully, um, I would say that the, the most important thing is is not to feed the the conscious energy, and not not to um, give it recognition. So, on the in the broader picture in our lives, if we come into into contact with these hierarchies or these people who are trying to masquerade this consciousness, I would say don't play their game. Um, you know, take your ball home. Because when you face someone, especially in the masculine consciousness, which is all about competition, what they want is an adversary. So if they, if they do or say something and they want, a, what they're looking for is a reaction. So the best thing is to not to play their game and not to give a reaction. And so in our daily lives, when we come up against these obstacles or these, the instances of this this uh, dominant consciousness, which is which is controlling and wants to, uh, to you know to be on top of everything, everything. Don't play along with it. Um, recognize it for what it is. We have to recognize it. We have to get along in our daily lives and do our job. But give it the minimum attention possible, because where attention goes, energy flows. That's an old paradigm, and it's true. And if we give attention to something, we feed extra energy and we give it validation. So in the bigger picture, I would say in our daily lives, 
just don't give attention to that. Give it the minimal attention possible to get along in your daily lives and then don't play ball with it. Um, in the personal lives, you mentioned family, which I think is important because we, the, the, people, the young children who grow up in a family, that's where they get their first conditioning. And it's important that they understand that the roles in the family are collaborative, they're shared, and that there isn't a, 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 an extreme dominance at all. And so I think it's important that um, the parents with their relationships show a collaborative relationship as much as possible where everything is shared, whether it's such things as, as household chores or cooking. I mean, in my house, I do all the cooking and cleaning. Um, I'm not lying. And so, um, you know, and, and you know, for me, it's natural. And so it's important that, that, that unconditional love comes through in our relationships because that, that love actually goes into a feminine collaborative consciousness and it doesn't support a hierarchical consciousness. Conditional love, that supports a, a hierarchical consciousness because it's with degrees. So um, unconditional love and showing um, relationships and collaboration with family as much as possible, wonderful. In the outside world, we have to survive with certain disruptive energies but give them minimum attention possible, I would say. Well, you know, it's very, very difficult because let's say you are in a relationship with a man who grew up in a universe uh, where men believe that they're supposed to be the source, that they're supposed to be the king, the emperor, the lord, something or other. Because, you know, I've seen this. A guy goes to work. Let's say he even works for a corporation. He's a vice president, but he isn't the president. And he feels dominated by the men around him or the women, but it's usually the men. And he comes home and he feels the need to puff himself up because he has not gotten his ego puff. And he's feeling like he's supposed to be on top because he was brought up with this hierarchical consciousness. And he comes home and all of his intentions are to be the nice dad and the good guy and all of that. But there's something in him that rebels against putting on the apron and wiping the dishes or, uh, you know, doing, uh, it's not just doing the chores. It's also the attitude, the collaboration, uh, collaborative attitude. So, or a guy comes from a family where there was a dominating mother, which is just as likely, especially when you look at these family structure that, Traditionally, and not so much now, uh, women were the ones who stayed home with the, with the kids. So the boy is being raised by the mother who feels like she's dominating him. And so he has a huge resentment against women that he doesn't even realize comes from that. And so when he comes home and in the nitty gritty of life, in the moment, that demon is triggered by being in a relationship with a woman who is, let's say, dominant in certain ways. And I don't mean domineering, but I mean dominant. For instance, let's say um, you and I were living together, Kingsley, you were a better cook and I was better at uh, you know, doing the finances. See, if, if, your, if your perception is that is coming from a hierarchical background, you might feel oppressed if the woman is making more money or has more status in the world or is doing things that 
you think you should be on top of. And it can create and trigger a visceral reaction that you don't even mean to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true, Beth. We're, we're still dealing with these, these um, the old mind uh, paradigms and categories. And we, you know, we don't have the solution for every single case. Um, now, I, I do feel that this is slowly changing in the world because mm-hmm. the roles are changing, um, the lifestyle is becoming more adaptable, but it's still the case that sometimes we cling to this, uh, women should do things in the house and men are the, are the earners, etc. Now, this though, we, we have to also accept that when women are different, and we should allow what is the natural capacity of a person. So if a woman is a, a better cook than a male, then mm-hmm. we should allow that because if, if a female can express herself to that, we should allow it. We don't feel we do we should not feel, oh, it's a cliche that women should always cook. Uh, so we, right. you know, we should break out of this this cliche thinking and feel well, what comes more naturally to a person according to their capacity right. and try to try to nurture that. Yes. Well, that sounds like the old communist idea, Kingsley, <laughs> talking about revolutionaries, which is uh, from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. And and if that that's, you know, out of Marx, uh, we're not talking about... Yes, but that, was, that was a physical ability. It wasn't talking about a natural innate instinctual capacity. I said capacity and ability, which I think are slightly different. So I know it may equate to communism, but really I'm talking about the natural instinct of a person. Well, I'm not actually thinking that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is that I think the energy behind communism as it was, you know, in the ideas of the people who were dreaming it up, you know what I mean, was that they were really looking for a universe where people just participated, as the word you used, provided what they had to provide, what they were capable of providing, using your word, the capacities, and that if we don't see things in our minds hierarchically, we won't give it any meaning that one is doing this or one is doing the other thing. And I think that's what you're really talking about. In a sense, yes, and that comes right back to the beginning of the program. We talked about, especially when you introduce these hierarchies in the family, which is social conditioning. Mm-hmm. And so social conditioning has, has taken away, taken people away from a contact with their innate natural selves. Yes. And so we have to go, we have to move from acquired knowledge or acquired conditioning to instinctual understanding, instinctual knowledge. And that's the shift we have to move to now. Yes, and so now I'd like to ask you the question that I introduced before, which is, what do you see in the spiritual movement that either looks like hierarchy or it looks like the dissolution of it? Well, my answer to that is six words. Um, The age of gurus is over. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's what it is because... The, the New Age movement um, was tainted or polluted by many people um, really um, trying to, again, stand up and, and take the place of, a, of the older prophet and, and be a, a kind of guru figure, whereby they still wanted disciples and they still were saying, well, I have a secret and I will, I will give it to you, mm-hmm. you know, when you're ready or when I, I deem you fit. Mm-hmm. You know, and this model still went into the 60s and 70s and still, still took over the, the flower power times as well, despite the, the kind of democracy. So that now is over because there is a democ- 
democratization of spiritual information, spiritual knowledge. Because as you rightly said, more people are picking up on this. More people are becoming innate channels. Mm -hmm. And so we don't need to um, have dependency on, on one person claiming to have the ultimate truth. We need to know and realize that the spiritual uh, the spiritual source, the spiritual flow is now flowing through the whole planet, is flowing through all of us and is trying to trigger and catalyze all of us. And so we can connect to that individually through ourselves. We, it's a time to what I, I call this polishing the bridge. We have to polish the bridge to ourselves, start having the conversation to ourselves because we all have the contact. And so we no longer need the priestly case, the hierarchies to have the knowledge and to pass it out, you know, mean-lipped to those privileged few <laughs> after, thir after 30 years of initiation in an isolation <laughs> tank. You know? yeah, that is so cute. <laughs> well, and at the same time, instead of having hierarchy, we have to have humility and the uh, ability to recognize wisdom when we hear it, whatever the source. And so there's so much information that we can get from people who have experience, who have worked on things without making them gurus, but also without fighting against them, which is still making them gurus. It's going back to your, what you were talking about before, is that, is that we can absorb the, and integrate the information and the wisdom that everyone has and bring it together for the benefit of everyone. I would love you, to, uh, Kingsley, to give us again your contact information uh, and perhaps the name of your latest book so uh, our uh, listeners uh, can jot that down. Thank you, Beth. And on this subject, I, I, two recent essays I wrote, one was called Spirituality versus Consumerism and talking of Marxism, the second one was called Spirituality versus Fetishism. And so they're on my webpage for free downloads, as many articles are, on king, uh, www.kingsleydennis.com. Um, so please read through all the material, uh, take away and do your homework and follow your own path. And uh, we are in a moment of democratic spiritual evolution. And uh, just to, uh, to follow on that, Beth, you mentioned my book. Um, my last book I co-authored with Irvin Laszlo was called Dawn of the Akashic Age. Um, but please visit the website. There's lots of free information there and uh, I'm available for contact. I can't thank you enough. You're such a delightful guy. I've really enjoyed... Uh, and you're sweet too, Beth. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I wish you the best from the bottom of my heart. And, uh, James, would you like to alert our listeners to what's coming up on Inside Out next Yes, I'd be happy to. And by the way, I think this has been a really great show. Thanks very much, Kingsley. Thank you, James. Okay. Yes. Our next edition of Inside Out will be black and white and blue all over, inside an American black woman. What does it mean to be a black woman in America? How does she refuse to be pigeonholed while simultaneously acknowledging the reality of race? How do we all embrace who we are and not be defined by being straight, gay, Asian, white, rich, poor, whatever? So please tune in with us next time. And if there's anything else you'd like to add, uh, we can sign off. 
Okay, yeah. just thank you so much uh, to my listeners, and please keep giving those likes on Facebook. We so appreciate that. And uh, email us and let us know what your thoughts and feelings are, because I know a lot of you will be listening on podcasts and you weren't able to call Kingsley, and we'll try to deal with your questions next time. God bless. Very good. Until then, goodbye. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week.